And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Is 692 seconds too many seconds? What's the difference between being dumped out and crashing out of a tournament? When is it acceptable to say the Germans instead of Germany? The latest Clamberwatch developments? And finally, the holy grail of football audio revealed. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £1 a month for six months. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 77 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, first of all, it's Charlie Eccleshare. Charlie, I'm sorry you missed the weekend keys and grey chat, but that's that's the luck of the draw, isn't it? Yeah, it's the way it goes sometimes. Um, maybe I'm, at some stage I'll reach keys and grey saturation point, but it feels a long way off, truth be told. We'll get you there, we'll get you there. Um, we're going to leave them off the hook today. Sadly, alongside you, David Walker, we have something very special lined up today, don't we, Dave? We do indeed. Salivating at the prospect of what we're about to bring the listeners today. I'm so excited um, about the finale to this podcast. I, I almost want to just skip straight to it. But we have some very important matters, as always, to take care of in the adjudication panel. First of all, um, on domestic matters, Charlie, the Premier League's very own Oliver Butler asks... At what point does a newly promoted side become just a promoted side? Any instant theories come to your head? Mm, newly promoted. I mean, maybe once you're into about November, Interesting. They, are they sort of sufficiently settled that they've, st- you know, we talked about they've begun their life in, mm. uh, in the Premier League and they're just sort of part of the furniture. Yeah, Dave, I feel like we've had, we've had distant cousins of this conversation before about how seasons unfold. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, I think it's very similar to the discussion about, you know, that team's great start to the season. When does when when is it stop becoming a start to the season? And I think I said I think I was on that episode and I think I said ten games. So mm. I'm gonna say roughly roughly that may maybe a little bit more maybe you get a bit more leeway as a newly promoted team. Maybe maybe too like maybe 
What's longer? Is two months longer than 10 games or shorter? I have no idea. (laughs) They pack them in at the start. Then you've got the international break, so who knows? I think 10 games is about November. Okay. Yeah. Early Um, November. So both of you simply going with a kind of length of time from the start of the season angle, which is fine. That's probably the first port of call. Our listeners have other ideas. James Enfield, newly promoted, should refer to first-time PL sides only. Now, I think, Dave, that's unnecessarily strict. Now, I, I see where I, yeah, he's going with this. I understand what he means, but, uh, you know, Watford are back up for the f- fourth time in our, in our history, but we are, we are still, promoted, we're still Watford. newly promoted. Yeah, yeah, totally. John F. Ketamine says, nice. Sides that keep the title of newly promoted, Charlie, have a certain novelty about them being in the league. For example, Brentford will be newly promoted for about half the season. Sides like Norwich will, will be referred to as newly promoted for about a month. So he's allowing some leeway for the yo-yo teams to get involved in this, but he's, he's, he's some sort of hierarchy going on here. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I wonder if there is an extent to which when a team does really well, they, they kind of lose that term. I mean, I'm trying to, obviously, I can't remember, Ipswich in 2000, 2001, when they came fifth. Or a performance factor. Yeah, I mean, I want, like, Dave, when Watford, was it 2015 uh, when Watford came up and did really well? Did, did that make a difference? when By the time they beat Liverpool in that 3-0 game, uh, were they still being talked about as newly promoted Watford or had they kind of established themselves enough? For that? I don't think you are newly promoted by that. We, that was in December, that mm. match. I just don't think yeah, you are. Yeah, maybe that's too late anyway. You're, you're promoted. You are a promoted side you are that's fine but the new it's not new we, we got used to it by then Phil Harris I can't agree with this one he says newly promoted is the is simply the allowed in the time between fixtures being announced and the end of the second game bloody <laughs> hell well so that's like once everyone's played at home they'll have played at home yeah um <laughs> There's always that point with a team who does really well early on and there's the kind of discussion match there. It's like, there's no secret. They're a very good team. We're going to have to start taking this team seriously. They're not a new motive. They are... They're they're a good side, and obviously they will then regress and finish mid table. So we're into kind you're into the sort of same territory as kind of breath of fresh air. Mm. They're real Mm. breath of fresh. They like to get the ball down. Yeah, yeah. You know, such a attractive side to watch. Anyway, Sam, good old Sam, one of the best contributors, writes in and says, I think you stop being newly promoted, Dave, once you've had an early season Monday night football at your ground televised on Sky <laughs> and your spotlight and 15 minutes of Carragher analysis. See you on BT at midday on Boxing Day. <laughs> just another struggling side. Yep. He's nailed it. I like it. Yeah, because it's a, it's a movable feast. It, it, we're not talking about 10 games or two games or Christmas. This isn't arbitrary. This is... Mm. This is, this is I this think is that is a good point it. because actually, once every once the nation has had the, the fair their fair chance to see this newly promoted side, that's when we've all got our heads around. Mm. Watch them full game. They've had the spotlight. Agreed. It's a state of mind. Yeah, we can all we can all we can all bluff our way through talking about them. Jobs are good. Anyway, let's forget about the Premier League until August at least, or maybe July. But uh, let's um, move on to Euro 2020 matters. Charlie, first of all, troubling scenes on the ITV football social media accounts. In the last 24 hours, this is what they had to say about the England-Czech Republic game. They said, it took Jack Grealish just 692 <laughs> seconds to mark his first start at Euro 2020 with an assist. That's too many seconds. <laughs> that is just too that's, many seconds. Yeah, that's a long way from being an acceptable number of seconds. I mean, why not just go with the minute? The seconds almost makes it sound longer or, or, or just like impenetrable. It, it, it wasn't many minutes. What was it? Twelve minutes or something? I'm, I. That's uh, fine. Uh, that's eleven and a half minutes. I make it. Yeah, but I think that's why they've done it because I think they've probably typed in eleven and a half minutes. Does, does it sound? Maybe that sounds a bit too long. Don't go with seconds. Seconds sounds quicker. Well, 
I mean, as always, we should probably em- employ some sort of threshold here. Listener Less than a quarter Dean. of an hour for yeah. Jack Grealish. But listener Joe Dean says, surely it has to be 90 seconds or less for it took insert player, just insert number of seconds to insert notable contribution. Um, Charlie, how, you, how do you feel about the 90 second ceiling? I, I, I think... There's something in that because otherwise you are then sort of just getting into seems okay. Yeah, maybe, but you're kind of just getting into minute. You know, it took it took less than two minutes or something. Seems I, fine to me. Twenty or less, I think, is okay. Yeah, but I don't know how much more impactful it took. 107 seconds rather than less than two minutes. Also, mm. because less than two minutes could be you're leaving that to the imagination. It could be way less than two minutes. Yeah. Rather than the whatever it actually is. It's all about the psychological impact of the numbers. But Dave, there are knock-on effects to this. It's important that we get this sort of thing right because the ripples of this sort of thing, if left unfettered, unlegislated against, when England get knocked out and all their players go on a holiday, just days (laughs) after the Euros exit, then, um, then, I mean, how long will that be? That could be two weeks. That seems fine to me. So, I mean, it's important that we appreciate just how far and widespread this phenomenon could go. Yeah, when the you know when one of the papers does their inevitable ridiculous hit job on Raheem Sterling after after we go out of the tournament next week, I don't think they'll be saying Sterling jets off to wherever <laughs> just twenty three thousand one hundred and two seconds after <laughs> England's elimination. I don't know how long that is, but that seems like a remarkably long time. They may do it in hours. I can't imagine that. If it's less than two days, I can imagine a sort of, you know, just 29 hours after, you know, flopping at Wembley or whatever it is. I would propose the following. None of the players can smile after they've gone out of the tournament for for six hours. A fortnight? Six days? Oh, but that could be less than a week. It's definitely a low hours thing, the smiles. Mm. And then going on holiday, maybe a week. A week as we've as we've seen in recent days after England played Scotland and uh, you know Roy Keane's reaction to people talking to teammates on the pitch afterwards which actually turns out they should have listened to him <laughs> don't talk <laughs> to your teammates after the game look what can happen lads but you can if we let's say we, I mean if we whoever we play be it France Germany or Portugal in the next game there's going to be teammates aren't there there's teammates in all of the or, or there's connections in all of those teams I bet you that that's a big test for the England players are they going to have the little behind the hand conversation with Kai Havertz afterwards. Once again, what do they talk about? Even more so at the Euros. Like, I mean, there's so much distance there. It's not like, oh, where are we going to go tonight? So what are they talking about? See you in July? What? 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 <laughs> Don't know. Rice, there was some yesterday, wasn't there? It was Rice and Socek, mm. a similar sort of thing. I, I did think as well, it was very, that Keane thing was very funny because I was imagining him, al- him also complaining about players not talking to each other and saying that, you know, no one talks anymore. They're just too busy on the social media or whatever. So it's quite, it was like, he's going to find a way to complain about that either way. So so I thought, fair play to him. Rice and Socek, I guess the conversation probably went along similar lines to when you see a colleague at like a wedding or something, where you're not in your normal environment where you talk to them, but talk inevitably goes back to work, airing the same grievances. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah you're right. Yeah, we'll be like, oh, have you... Did you get that message from David? Yeah, yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, it'll be be fun to see him in a few weeks. Anyway, (laughs) take care. See see you soon. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) We talked about um, Euro 2020 goodbyes there, Dave. Listener Simon Takel writes in about exit strategies and how we should be describing the ways that the manner in which some nations have left this tournament. He says, I'm not sure if you've discussed this, but what is the definitive list of terms used to describe a team leaving a tournament? And is there an appropriate use for each? So let's let's take his top one. He says crashed out. What would it take to crash out of Euro 2020? That's You can't crash out in the groups, can you? Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, you can. Oh, really? I think if you're a big nation 
I think if Portugal go out tonight as we record this, I think that is crashing. The previous winners of the tournament, that is crashing out in the group stage. Okay, okay, okay. That's that's fine because you, you're talking about the spectacular nature of a, of a team expected to go through going out. But crashing, Charlie, implies that something something directly specific has happened. So maybe they lose their last group game in dramatic fashion. So knockout style, perhaps? Yeah, I, th- I think crashing actually works quite well early on in a tournament because, well, if, if it is a, a sort of surprise team to go out because there is this shock element to it uh you know this team that was meant to go far uh, has bowed out early it's it's very tennis crash out you hear it week in week out players will crash out and often it is early so i think i think it would work well for the groups i wouldn't use it in circumstances like where the kind of reigning champions go out with a sort of a whimper in the group stage it's not spectacular enough to to earn a crash that's the mm. only reason why i thought it might suit the knockouts better dave what about dumped out if you if you get dumped out that's that's definitely a specific act inflicted on you by another team isn't it yeah i you haven't done it yourself would would germany england 2010 world cup a four was a 4-1 defeat is that being dumped out dave that is literally the game i had I heard that as soon as Adam said dumped out, I thought that game, that 4-1, that to me is a yeah quintessential dumping out. Yeah, because not only were Germany good, but England were England sort of irredeemably bad and you know pathetically bad. And the way the goal, the sort of goals on the counter, you know, they're raining in late on. It's just like, get out of this tournament, like smashing goals past you as you sort of forlornly chase the game. Like, yeah, I think that's a perfect yeah. dumping. Good dumping out. Other ones that Simon suggests are kicked out. Now, kicked out <laughs> is either being disqualified for really yeah. boring technical reasons or or maybe like you were actually kicked out of the tournament which is kind of a lament rather than anything you've done wrong yeah so it's yeah kicked out immediately kicked out is like yeah uh, i don't know yugoslavia in 1992 or whatever um mm. but also i suppose you could stretch it to like what was that terrible game in 1966 where did england kick someone did, 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 did england get kicked tried to get kicked argentina, argentina the argentina, I mean, argentina didn't lose but like you could yeah. get kicked off the park pele got Kicked out of 1966 mm. World Cup, of course. I was going to say, most, I think... One of the most famous kickings out. I think kicking out, to me, is more of an individual than a team. I agree. Um, I either agree. in that context, like you said, or they get sent home. Um, yeah, sent you know, packing. Out. Maradona in 1994 yeah. kicked out the tournament. Yeah, booted out even. Um, but yeah, I think we, I think we clarified that. We're, we're getting to the stage where teams are saying their goodbye, so it's important to clarify this. On to unusual matters on the BBC. Belgium versus Finland the other night, Charlie. Martin Keown and Jonathan Pearce engaging in some... In, well, this could, have, this could have got a lot more tense than it did, let's put it that way. What do you make of him? Do you see, well, I'm just going to ask you, do you see him? I know you're a Brighton fan. Do you see him as a wing-back? I'm not sure I, I do. I've got the wrong club for me there, but anyway, it's uh, cleared away by Belgium. Uh-huh. Legions of people in the West Country and my family will be up in arms against you, MK, for that. There's so much good stuff there. <laughs> yeah, this was them sort of talking about Leandro Trossard. And um, I have to say, I was instantly on Keown's side here. I kind of thought that Jonathan Pierce supported Brighton. And then my brain went Crystal Palace because that's like where he always was for Capital Gold. So I, I didn't know what to expect after that. I went on such a journey with this because firstly, you very rarely hear commentators sort of outed in that way as to who they support and i you know some of them work really hard to keep that a secret so at first i thought oh wow that's 
that's a pretty big revelation. Then, and the way, the confidence, which I know you're a Brighton man, is just so good. It's the confidence. mischievous about it. Yeah. It's yeah. like he was winding him up. Yeah, I always assume he, has, he supported any of the, Lon- I, I thought he supported like all of the London clubs at varying dif- at various <laughs> different points because when he was on Captain God, he was so enthusiastic. And I was a kid, I was like, there's just no way you can go that mad about a team you don't support. I mean, but um, do, do we know? Has it now been... And also MK was a great little detail for Jonathan Pierce addressing Keown. Don't know if that's accepted. Now, Dave, we got, we got a hint who he did support. Yes, well, he, he said, you know, he alluded to a West Country allegiance, subsequently confirmed by The Athletic's Andy Naylor, in fact, on Twitter, ah. that it was indeed Bristol City who Jonathan ah. Pierce supports, who I would never have picked as his team in a million years. No He doesn't have a way. West Country accent, does he? I kind of knew it, but I'd forgotten. But it's the, the Brighton Crystal Palace thing just muddled my memory. But as an aside here, Charlie, this was another example of this new phenomenon of of pundits turning questions back on their keepers, on the commentators, mm. on the presenters. I saw another another example the other day. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying I noticed it and then we can talk about it. Which is <laughs> um, Rio Ferdinand sort of getting really into it. And uh, they were talking about strikers and he turned to Lineker and went, you, you we were a striker. You know, what's it like? There's something really teaches petty about it. <laughs> I mean, it is quite literally trying hard, trying I'm too good. hard. But I, I, I don't want to say I don't like it because it's well, it's good punditry. Isn't it? Yeah, it is good, and it's funny because you often there's often an absence of that when Tyler will try and like he very rarely gets asked by his co-founders, <laughs> and occasionally he will yeah. sort of venture an opinion. And there's a sort of uncomfortable silence as they sort of take it. it you know, when you hit, yeah, it's like someone you're not used to venturing opinion. You're like, oh. Yeah. Martin, yeah. you look like somebody who would have scored 267 <laughs> goals in the 1960s. What do you think about it? In that um, vague 1966 World Cup period. Uh, Dave, it's a very red nappian thing to do as well. There's definitely mm. a kind of like real earnestness <laughs> about it. So I want to know what you think about it, actually. Mm. I, know what's, I like uh, it. You think? Oh, I think it's great. Putting my producer's hat on. I think it should be encouraged. You know, the direction yeah. of travel of the conversation is something that you don't always want it to be just coming from Lineker in this example. And, and actually, the thing about people like Lineker is that he's actually got some really interesting things to say, but he so often doesn't mm-hmm. get to say them. So I think it's good. Oh, he really wants to share them as well, as we do know. Now, it's a bit, it's a little bit like when uh, when Charlie does it on the podcast. Uh, Dave, I just wanted to know what you, what you thought about it. So, no, I, thought that no. might, I thought that might come back to me. That's I did, fine. I did, defi- I did definitely recognise it. But I think no, it's no, nice. Fine. When you've got people with like specific expertises, uh, you know, Watford earlier, Mm. Why, why wouldn't you use the expertise you have? Absolutely. Well, it's been approved by the producers now, so it's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, no, no issues with me. Anyway, um, Dave, it would be remiss of us not to get into Clamour Watch now, wouldn't it? Mm. Where, where does the Clamour stand after the Czech Republic game? Because the Grealish Clamour has, I think it's been wrapped up and, and put away because um, he did what we expected him to do, which was respond to the Clamour by having a reasonable game and then faded a bit and then we don't talk about him anymore. So where are we? I think we've actually got Entirely different type of clamour on our hands now. Okay. The Grealish clamour has well and truly been satisfied, mm-hmm. you know, and vindicated, I think, from Grealish's performance on um, mm-hmm. against Czech Republic. But the clamour now that I'm sensing bubbling under, I don't think the clamour for Jaden Sancho has taken hold. I think that's now vanished or evaporated. But the clamour now is for England to be more attacking. Clamour is for oh, ha- okay. Southgate to take the handbrake off. I mean. Handbrake off. <laughs> yes, indeed. Charlie, what about Bakayo Sacco? D- does he fit into the clamour debate? Because he, I mean, I'm not saying he was a surprise deputant, but he kind of... Uh, he was. Sorry. I'm not I saying think, he was a surprise starter. I think but... he was a surprise starter. I don't think anyone would have picked him. Well, yeah, given the clamour for Sancho, that was yeah. that was the front one. Yeah, I mean, maybe there were... I mean, Sacco would have gone potentially, and this sort of shows the whole ludicrousness of it, mm. when the team sheet came out, 
there was you know widespread frustration that Saka was starting. Why is he starting? Why is Sancho not starting, etc. Mm. To if he doesn't start the next game, I think there will then be a clamour for him to have started in that intervening hour between teams being announced and the game start. I think there is now a clamour for him to start the next game. He's earned the shirt. A preemptive clamour for him to remain in the starting lineup. Mm. I mean, could that fall under the umbrella of clamour, Dave? Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I he might think have so. to be dropped first before there can be a clamour. Yeah. I, I don't know if you could have that roller coaster. Um, he's in the I, team. Sh- As it stands, he's in the team. He yeah. started, he's in the team. Yeah. We don't know you that he's not, to not keep in the team in. yet. Exactly. You have to assume that he will remain until, as Charlie says, that team sheet comes out, then yeah, we've got a quick fire clamour on our hands for that hour <laughs> and a half before kickoff. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Um, what a clamour it's going to be. Yeah. Just an, an, an example of, of where we reached peak clamour before that game. Here is uh, here's Ray Winston's take on what the England team should have been before kickoff. I want to see Walker back tonight. And I want to see Grealish just laying a little bit deeper and running with the ball. I want to see Bellingham and a bit of Sanchez. And if Harry ain't doing the business, if he's not in the box, then bring on Calvert Lewis, eh? Checkmate. <laughs> Calvert-Lewis. Oh, he, he was so pleased with himself, wasn't he? With that nice little pun at the end, the little gag at the end. And it was all going so well until Sanchez. I want to Sanchez. Calvert-Lewis. And you think, okay, I'll let him off one. I mean, it's inexplicable, but I'll let him off one. And then Calvert-Lewis. Come on, Ray. We, we shouldn't leap on this these sort of things too much. But, you know, if you're going to be that confident about what you want in your team, at least, at least get the players' names right. But I did like, Dave, I did like Bellingham. <laughs> get Bellingham in I mean I just I never thought that his I mean it seems so obvious that his name could be pronounced that way but I never thought about it so uh, yeah Bellingham yeah very nice indeed yeah thanks to Ray Winston uh, Calvert Lewis I'm trying to think what Calvert Lewis sounds like it's a solicitors isn't it yeah could be or property mm. uh, property company oh yeah yeah so yeah one branch estate. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> on a high exactly. street yeah like an office that doesn't look quite nice enough for you to want to go in and see what they've got to offer. Yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. On to other technical matters at Euro 2020. Dave, as we get towards the business end of this tournament, um, we're going to start thinking about top goal scorers, which which personally I don't feel is such a big thing anymore. I feel like they, they're more of a kind of 80s, 90s thing, top goal scorers. Um, but listener Sam, with another one of his golden contributions, asks us, how many goals does a tournament top scorer need to score to suitably impress us? He feels like anything under five is underwhelming. Five gets a well done, but I'll probably never, ever remember you. Six or more is legendary. You're world class forever more. What's your benchmark? I feel like six is six is the six is the aim traditionally, yeah, isn't it? I think six. Yeah, five is five is, you know, slightly, you, you know, slight question marks over the legitimacy of the golden boot. And then because at the moment, I think we're obviously there's quite a lot of games to go, but we seem to be staring down the barrel of having a similar situation to what we had in 2010 12. and 2012, where there was like a big split of like players on three and four goals. And didn't Thomas Muller won it in 2010 because he got more assists than anyone else. Oh, Ditto. Yeah, we avoid that. Mm. In, in Euro 2012, do you know who won it? It was Fernando Torres. Torres. Mm. How strange that seems. And he got that by dint of an assist. I think in the final, he came, he set one up. I think he set one up for Mata maybe. So yeah, that, I think five is fine for a Euros. I mean, obviously it's changed a bit now. It's expanded. But I, like Shearer at Euro 96 got five. Yeah. I think that's, to- that's, that's all good. Once you're getting f- four, that's when I think, yeah. Four's bad. Something yeah. weird's happened. Anything less than six and you're risking sharing the golden boot, which, which I mean, even allowing for the assist separator is the pits. But I, I also um, feel that sometimes 
even if you get six or whatever, the nature of the goals is important because I, I don't feel that Harry Kane really cut, yes. didn't really like get the world. You know, he got the golden boot in the in the 2018 World Cup, but it did it didn't quite feel didn't as, feel like it. No, because he got like a, he hat got trick a few against Panama, Panama, wasn't it? A couple of penalties. Yeah, it yeah. didn't. In fact, he got like he it. got. He got five in his first two games, didn't he? Mm. Or something. No, or four, four in his first two games, it must have been. He scored twice against Tunisia, didn't he? And then Did had, he? So it was five in his first two, two and, then he, and then he added one with that pen against Colombia. Mm. So yeah, it does... Maybe have a waiting system. Goals count more in, in knockouts oh, as, the, no, as the decider, then, then, as the decider rather than assists. Oh, goodness. Well, no, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Non-penalty um, goals. Or non-penalty yeah, goals. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there would be uproar. You'd be classifying one goal well, over I think, another. I think like the non-penalty goals thing is really like a modern day sort of thing. Like, it's very XG, isn't they, it? Yeah, it's, I, I see it talked about it the all XG the time. Way. People just completely mm. rubbishing penalties. Like mm. poor Troy Deeney, according to these people, hasn't scored a goal for about five. <laughs> still got to I score remember, still got to put the ball in the net you do I remember reading like Match Magazine or something Alan Shearer uh, now a colleague of ours never thought I'd say that uh, him saying well you know you try taking a penalty you know in the last minute in, in, and I, I I mean obviously they're easier and that's why their XG for what it's worth is, is yeah, they're not is the simplest of tasks are they but they're not the simplest of tasks they're no. absolutely not they're, you know yeah. the penalties are terrifying that's a good point. We didn't we didn't include penalties in the simplest of tasks chat. I mean, that would have rubber stamped the whole thing. We had anyway, um, we had a nice simplest of tasks the other day, actually. By the way, Ali, Ali McCoist used it in the uh, the Holland North Macedonia game with for Wijnaldum's tap in from two yards. So uh, a small yeah. part of me, a very small part of me. I wonder, has he listened? No, he hasn't listened, has he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a, what, that would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be lovely? We have the bread and butter of today's episode to take care of. Listener Michael Cox writes in, David, and says, Adam, I would read a ranking of which countries you can legitimately call the nationality. For example, you can say the Dutch, just about the Italians, but the Turks sounds a bit wrong and the Finns sounds a bit mad. Well, that pricked my ears up instantly because I feel like this is something we <laughs> really, really need to get to the grips of. Charlie, this is your area as well. This is this is um, mm. elegant variation, of course. I think we're, we're a good, strong trio to take care of this. So... Dave, let me lay down the ground rules straight away. We're talking about demonyms here. This is this is um, descriptions of nationalities. Uh, so you, in, so you, sound, you sound like Ray Winston pronouncing debonyms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, specifically in the in a football context used as a second mention for a country when you could simply say their name again. So, Dave, do any kind of any kind of leap out straight away as acceptable slash unacceptable? You mentioned the Turks as. Mm. You know, the potentially problematic uh, example, but and I, I honestly don't know, you know, whether that is or not. But I, it does feel no. a little bit. Why would you not say the Turkish? If you say the Dutch, why wouldn't you say the Turkish? And the English, you say the English, so why wouldn't you say the Turkish? The Turk sounds like it's a bit too. It's a bit too um, abrupt. Mm. I think. I think it's a bit too abrupt. And there are some. There are some minor technicalities that we're going to have to get into. Charlie, I mean, there are some obvious caveats with a couple of these, where they seem to be interchangeable between the collective and the individual. So the Swiss and the Portuguese mm-hmm. are going to come in for a right pasting here. I know. I, I, I still like it blows my mind a bit that there hasn't, there's no like solution to that. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you, it feels mad that you can't, like, what do you call someone? But it's I just can't Portuguese. wait for Jose Mourinho to retire so we never have to worry about this ever again. Yeah, and Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, there was the whole Portuguese thing, wasn't there? That yeah. I think was sounds like a sort of Socre M gag. The um, Swiss man? There were. Swissman. 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! It's a frontman again. 
the diminutive Swissman. Swissman is absolutely Yeah, why isn't there a Swissman? Yeah, I mean, I do think, like, some of these, the Germans sounds a bit Faulty Towers for me now. I I don't know, instinctively, that just feels a little bit dated. Whereas, whereas previous, you know, 20 odd years ago the Germans was fine but I um, I don't know in, in, in their rebrand in that kind of World Cup 2006 onwards I, I don't know the Germans just doesn't, doesn't yeah, quite I mean, right there are certain circumstances where I think we're allowed to use some of these we'll, we'll get into the my provisional ranking in a minute I should also add at this stage that um, we could we could have thrown nicknames into the mix here people listening are probably thinking you could have done this early June this is preview material but it's not it's not because we had to experience the tournament <laughs> first to see the case studies before we discussed them so it's not it's not that we forgot about it and didn't realize it until now at all but um we could have included nicknames dave um but this isn't the africa cup of nations i feel like nicknames aren't a big deal for the european countries no they're not and and i saw belgium described as the red devils in a, oh, in a tournament review and i oh it's that's horrible. marketing isn't it yeah that's pure marketing charlie actually i'll give you a quick rundown of my hierarchy of acceptable um european national team nicknames the azuri the azuri that's fine and if, if Horncastle drops that into one of his pieces, that's fine. That's, I mean, that's okay. I think if Horncastle does it, yes, because he's got, he's kind of earned the right to do that. But a commentator could say it. I feel like Yeah, I guess they could. I, I think I'm just, I've been sort of t- told, like, just never use them. So maybe no, that's harder. Course, but, but yeah, you're right. If it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't jar massively. Second tier, Dave, I would say Le Bleu. If you really had to, you could go for the blur. I think it works better in print than in when you say it out mm. loud. No, I agree with that. When, when you're forced to try and do the accent or not, you're in that like horrible half space. Yeah. Uh, third tier of nicknaming, Charlie, I would put the three lions. Now, I would never use it myself, but I can kind of understand why, why, given how much chat there is about England, especially in a kind of promotional marketing sphere, I'd say it's just about all right. Um, yeah, I do wonder how many people you use that in conversation, <laughs> if any. It just seems so... Such like you coming around for the Three Lions game, or like well, there's a <laughs> real clamour. But I really want Sancho starting for the Three Lions, or Sanchez starting for the Three Lions next week. I would, um, I would also just about allow the Oranger. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> You, I don't even think you've pronounced it right. It's, it's definitely, you can't use it either way. Don't care. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know how to pronounce it simply because I've never heard anyone say it out loud. That's why. Um, maybe that's that's the threshold we've reached. Uh, um, no, it doesn't Everything work. below this level is is unacceptable, Charlie. The Red Devils, as we've covered. The Eagle Owls of Finland. Maybe it's on the rise. The Hukayats of Finland. But no, no. The Tartan Army, clearly no. Or the cousin Tartan Army. I did enjoy during the England game talking about Scotland as the old enemy. <laughs> a, a, a similarly awful, yeah. uh, never mm. never used in speech. A- A-U-L-D as well. Of yeah, course. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very important to make that clear. The Magyars, that's that, probably 60 years too late for that. Mm. Um, then we're into the real depths of acceptability. Um, Charlie, I give you La Furia Roja. Which yeah. is just no. Isn't it sometimes just La Roja as well? Yeah, maybe that's which... a little bit. Old. I mean, that's basically Le Bleu, isn't it? So, mm. in terms of depth of context, huge controversy um, cleared up by Rafa Honigstein before the tournament, Dave, that uh, Die Mannschaft, which is used fairly widely in this country, um, is, is not widely used in Germany. It's a, just a marketing thing made up by the FA, apparently. So, and shouldn't it be Die National Mannschaft yeah, as well? Yeah, the National Mannschaft is, is the traditional name. But yeah, Die Mannschaft is apparently just some sort of uh, promotional nonsense that nobody uses. So if you see that out and about in the <laughs> wild, then, uh, then Do you report them. Upon it. 
But yeah, that's enough about nicknames. We spent far too long on that because I want to get onto the official ranking of acceptability slash practicality of using demonyms at Euro 2020. <laughs> I'm going to start at the bottom and work our way up to the top. And let's see how you agree. I'll give you, I'll give you the first lot at the bottom. The English, Dave, right at the bottom. I don't think there's any acceptable context unless, unless you are, say, like a sneery foreigner talking about the standard of English football after we've gone out of the tournament. So someone like Jorge Valdano coming out with mm-hmm. a ridiculous quote like, the Spanish treat the ball like their wife. The Italians treat the ball like a house they want to buy. But the English, they treat the ball like a car on fire. Yeah, Is that a real quote concept. or have you just improvised? No, I'd be, yeah, obviously I've made it up. <laughs> Could you not see the cogs in my brain working as I did? I wasn't sure. Maybe, maybe unruly fans as well yeah the english has to be we would never use that i think yeah. it would have to be uh yeah it would have to be foreign mm. foreign commentators or or experts i mean i've given a bit of leeway for the english there but i still want it at the bottom of my table um next up the turks as we've established just it sounds a bit too abrupt charlie it sounds a bit too dismissive isn't it the turk the ones that have caught on you know more like the germans the dutch the italians is that because they have kind of footballing characteristics that we're more familiar with so that they, they, it kind of represents something doesn't it? it it's not just saying france the french is kind of okay so you're talking about like a particular style and flair and the italians I don't yeah know. i mean familiarity is obviously yeah very much key here because i'm going to give you a raft of names of it i mean dave i'm going to give you half a dozen here that we were ne- we're never going to need to use because we don't talk about them enough so the austrians the finns the welsh i mean i mean i, I, don't, I don't feel i need to use the welsh all the welshmen the open brackets north close brackets macedonians the hungarians ukrainians the russians the russians i think yeah in a football context yeah but i, I sort of it feels more common doesn't it to say because there's obviously there's just always there's so much sort of history about the Russians. Okay, so we're into the top half of our table now. This is where it's going to get interesting. Charlie, mid-table, the French. Mm. I mean, it's 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 there or thereabouts, isn't it? I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I would never lean on it. I would never lean the on the French. Yeah, somehow the French doesn't. Even though it should, it feels like it should be a bit higher because there is such a rich history. The French I, I think, lie in wait in the last sixty. Yeah, the, yeah. Like we we know we know what the French are about. Yeah. But I, I mean, I wonder if the Russians. But maybe it is in a non-footballing context. Yeah, it's a bit Cold they, War, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. I mean, yeah, the Soviet Union. I mean, they. The, 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 there's something quite evocative about the, the Russians, but I, I don't know if, if, like the Turks, it just sounds a bit wrong and xenophobic. Yeah, maybe it does. Um, Dave, where do you sit on the Spanish slash Spaniards? I think Spanish is because if you're saying the Spaniards, you're just talking about like a could be any <laughs> specific number of yeah, Spain, just a people, a bunch of <laughs> Spanish blokes that are just yeah, kind of play Spaniards yeah. in their team. Uh, all right, um, I mean it gets very complicated. I mean Charlie, the Croatians, you're very much urged not to say the croat it's it's not mm. it's not as far as i understand particularly offensive it just relates to something else it's more of an ethnicity rather than a nationality so moving on up the slovaks i mean i checked with a slovakian citizen about this it's not the slovakians it is the slovaks dave the poles feels okay yep that's fine i think the swedes because you wouldn't say the po- i think the poles more than the polish yeah. yeah 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 how about the swedes then dave the swedish the Swedes. You know what to expect from the Swedes. I think they're yeah, well 
the Swedes. It is the Swedes, yeah. And then and then the next one is the Swiss, which as a collective, Charlie, works really, really well. I like, you know, <laughs> well, we came up we came up against the Swiss. They were they were a lot better than some expected. But, mm, but when you're when you're down to individual people, the Swiss is wrong. Swissman. Yeah, as an individual, it's so wrong to talk about. Like, yeah, but they have the Swiss to thank for for their victory. But do you know what comes to the mind? Swiss. It comes to mind when I hear when I hear the Swiss is uh, Cool Runnings. <laughs> right? <laughs> are, you, are you familiar with the film Cool Runnings? Uh, of course I am. Yes. Yeah. Are they, are they the, were they the really sneery? Cause ones? Yeah, because they're they're, yeah. they're constantly talking. Derice, the driver, is constantly looking at the Swiss and saying, "They know we've got to do things like the Swiss, the Swiss this, the Swiss that," and then. Sanka gets all annoyed at him and says, oh, forget about the Swiss with Jamaica. We're going to do it our way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very good case study for this. Um, right, so we're into our kind of top seven now. Charlie, the Danes, the Belgians, they're kind of competing for the European places in this league table, aren't they? That, that, that's fine-ish. The Belgians. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Good. Thanks for your approval. Then the Germans, which, which Dave, I appreciate has an historical problematic uh, context to it. But I think it, no, but I think it's fine because I think you know we can all probably think of a few words that certain tabloid newspapers would have put on their front page uh, in probably Euro '96 to describe the mm. Germans, which would not have been the Germans. Yeah. So I think we're okay with Germans. And and crucially, Charlie, there is this football baggage there. You know, there are stereotypes about how they play, which which necessitates us using that second mention simply because we talk about them a lot. So I think it's okay. It's not that loaded in a football context. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think it's one, to me, sounds a bit jarring, but mm. it is it is still fairly widespread. And there is, yeah, there is a huge amount. I mean, the Germ- to me, as well, the Germans is when you're talking about how they always find a way to win. Yeah. And we know what, you know, the German The Germans, I feel, is when you're saying... It, it's not a vintage Germany side, but you know what you're going to get with the Germans. Mm. It's never going to be an easy game against the yeah. Germans. Yeah, so. definitely. It's when you want to kind of impose the stereotype. That's when you start using the plurals. Uh, the Portuguese next up, we've covered this extensively. Collective, yes. Individual, no. But as a collective, I like it and it and it belongs at the top, regardless of the caveat. So let me give you my top three. The dark horse of this, Dave, the Czechs. The Czechs is good, isn't it? Mm. We like the Czechs. But yeah. I mean, they're, they're full... Accepted because you can't call them the Czech Republicans. The Czech Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, my top two, the, uh, the soar away top two, as far as I'm concerned, Charlie. The Italians. That's oh, that's good. The Italians. Um, again, lots of footballing baggage. It doesn't feel dismissive oh, yeah. to say it. It doesn't feel derogatory. It doesn't feel like you're putting them down. It's all good, isn't it? And then your winner as well. Who you can reveal? The Dutch. The Dutch, I think, works really well. I wonder if this is partly because it sounds so different from either Holland or Netherlands. So as an elegant variation, second mention, it's quite satisfying. It's given that that's the whole point of... Yeah, no well, exactly. It's yeah. like, you know, covering Tottenham that Spurs is legitimate. It's just such a gift. But yeah, I mean, you've got... Although Holland and Netherlands, you can't really interchange between because that's a style choice, isn't it? You can't be flitting between them. Mm. Um, so, but but yeah, even so, I think the Dutch is just, it's different enough that um, it sounds nice as a, as a second mention. And is it, yeah. the, is it the Netherlands or just Netherlands as well? No, well, <laughs> I exactly. I can't just say Netherlands. I, ju- I can't. On the war chart, it Does says it? it says Netherlands, which to give you another war chart up, update has been problematic for me because it's, it doesn't fit in the space for the next round. 
So have you gone the Dutch? I, I sort of crowbarred it in. Yeah. It, it doesn't yeah, look don't good. write the Dutch on your wall chart. I mean, it might <laughs> I be number one that. in our rankings, but don't sully your wall chart. <laughs> that would be amazing. Using the demonyms. If I if I hear of anyone doing that, then I'll be very disappointed. But the Dutch are our demonym champions of Euro 2020. They tick all the boxes. Well done. Well done to them, the Dutch. A worthwhile chat, I thought. Um even if it was halfway through the tournament. But now, David Walker, Charlie Eccleshare. Boy, do I have something for you. Um, Charlie, I'm going to have to... Because Dave already knows about this, annoyingly, which I kept it from him. But Charlie, if I said the UEFA Cup quarterfinal second leg between Nottingham Forest and Bayern Munich on the 19th of March 1996, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? Well, I remember listening to that game on the radio. Oh, really? Um, wow. I remember... Bayern, this is the second leg. I remember Bayern yeah. won 5 1. Mm. Um, real chastening evening mm. for Forrest. Klinsman. Mm. Was Papa still there? Um, was he ever there? Klinsman um, was the man in. in Klinsman, I remember coming, you know, oh, he'd been at Spurs the season before and came back. And actually, that team had a lot of the team that then went on to win Euro 96. Yeah. Well, of course, it was. It was a chastening season for English clubs in Europe, Dave. Manchester uh, Blackburn Rovers crashed out, I think we can safely say, oh, the, yeah. mm. of the Champions League. Manchester United went out to Rota Volgograd in the UEFA Cup. Peter Schmeichel scoring. Liverpool went out UEFA Cup to Bromby. Leeds mm. were thrashed by PSV Eindhoven. So, in summary, it was very much a fallow period for, for English clubs in Europe. Vintage English teams in Europe of that period, really. The haplessness. Yeah. I've, giving this the... Very much a tantric build-up, this. <laughs> I'm so intrigued as to what this could possibly be. Yeah, just to give everyone a little bit of context, here is uh, from a few episodes ago on Football Clichés. This is um, this is something we were talking about. Three Lions Fever got to such a stage. Um, friend of the show, The Telegraph's Tom Gibbs, challenged me to try and find the original audio for the punditry at the start of Three Lions, which I thought would be an easy job. I couldn't find any of it. I feel like it's it, Dave. It's the it's the YouTube holy grail. But if if anyone could find any of those three bits of punditry on YouTube, I'd be eternally grateful. Yeah, we do need to conduct a nationwide search. I That'd think be huge. calling calling all archivists out there. No way! No way! That no. Literally, have tears in my eyes. I have oh tears my god! In my eyes at what is about to unfold. This. So it's what it's one of those. It's one of. I mean, yeah. this is incredible. This is, this is absolutely amazing. I mean, the, the, the Football Clichés wow. podcast ends after today, quite yeah. frankly. There's nothing left. This is from the post-match analysis of Nottingham Forest versus Bayern Munich. Oh, in March wow. 1996. Dave, cue clip number one. Bayern played well in the second half, but it's so much easier to play when you're 3-0 up and 4-0 up. <laughs> On a wider context, I think it's bad news for the English game. Ah! <laughs> the results <laughs> are <laughs> For me, it's a mockery of the people that I knew it. say that we've got the best league in the world. I knew it. Oh. I said in that episode when we talked about it, I bet I bet it's from a completely unrelated game to England. It's just someone's found a nice soundbite in a game and they thought, that's the one. That is amazing. Did, but does Jimmy Hill then go on to say, we'll go on getting bad results there? Or is that from something else? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. Does he go on to say Oh, my it? God. Let's find out. No. We get bad results yeah. agree, agree, uh, yeah. in the European Championship. We'll go on getting bad results in the future. Ah! Oh, my God! <laughs> Ah, this is incredible. Oh, it's like finding a, it's literally, I mean, we are literally finding a sample from a song, but it's like finding a sample from a song. Fucking hell. Now, I mean, as I try and talk through the emotion of this, 
Charlie, I'd like to furnish you with the third and final sample from the intro to Three Lines, but I don't have it. I do not have it. The Trevor Brooking quote of we're not creative enough, we're not positive enough, is still out there in the wild. I don't know where it is. Don't know where it is. To complete that set. But it's nice to leave it hanging a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, that the mission goes on, but that, that's unbelievable. <laughs> If anyone, if anyone has persisted with this episode of this podcast through the demonyms all the way through to here, then you are rightly and justly rewarded. What a day, Dave! Really, I, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite pleased that our instincts were correct and that it was in just some random game. And I'm still, but you know, we found it. But I'm still would be fascinated to hear from whoever was the person who made that decision who was it was it the producers were um, Skinner and Badil watching that game for some reason I don't know how did they how did they happen upon that because it is proper needle in a haystack stuff as we've as we've found out March 96 quite late to be getting it as well it's presumably the last thing they must have recorded it's like, oh we probably need a bit of punditry can we just go and find a game that was maybe that was what it was it just happened yeah. to at that moment it suddenly occurred to them oh we need, we do it would be good to have a, a, a voice yeah and I, or I wonder if they saw that and thought that just would be perfect. Yeah. Well, the hunt begins now for Trevor Brooking's third and final piece. This is, I mean, um, what, we were talking about this before the show. And one of the producers said it was this was like Indiana Jones. This is literally, this is literally like finding like two of the three pieces of some precious artifact. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, yeah, thanks. This to, feels like Lord of the Rings. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, I, I feel like I... Dave, I need to hear those clips one more time. Yeah, come on. Bayern played well in the second half, but it's so much easier to play when you're 3-0 up and 4-0 up. On a wider context, I think it's bad news for the English game. The result tonight and the performances in Europe, for me, make a mockery of the people that continually say that we've got the best league in the world. It's amazing. It's so... It's so it's just buried in there. It's literally, yeah. what, four or five mm. words in the middle of this yeah. thing, and it's become this absolutely iconic piece of audio that we have relived again and again and again successive generations have heard those words from alan hansen there's probably people alive who who only know alan hansen through mm. three lions mm -hmm. and it's just it's just a snippet of his or from one game from nottingham forest against bayern munich i mean of all things it's um it's amazing it's just the, the fact that we're so familiar with the cadence of the tone of those words and they did they sort of literally just slip out of nowhere Oh, it's just wonderful. Uh, let's hear Jimmy Hill again, please. Not yeah. only get bad results yeah. I agree, I agree, uh, yeah. in the European Championship, we'll go on getting bad results in the future. So he's talking about England there, Charlie, presumably. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So we were kind of half right in our suspicions all this time. Yeah. Mm. This is just incredible. And that was such a good reveal, the way you uh, built that up. I, like well. I overdid it, but I don't care. I don't care. There was no elegant way for me to do this. I was so fucking excited. It was unbelievable. No, that was brilliant because the penny suddenly dropped. I was yeah. like, no, it can't be. Incredible. Can it? Well, if anyone out there can, can get the third and final piece of this, I'll be so, so happy. There's nothing left to say. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Charlie. See everybody next time. Goodbye. I think it's bad news for the English game. We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. We'll go on getting back.
The Athletic.